Hey, before we get started, let me say something. Uh, today's content is for parents. It's especially for fathers, and at the same time, it's for everybody who's watching. In other words, today's message has something in it for everybody. Uh, We've been talking about heroes for the past few weeks, and we've been talking about the fact that we're living in days that's calling for men and women to do the heroic thing, to change the course of things, to hold back evil, to advance good, and to make a difference. That's the type of people we need right now. With everything wrong going on in the world around us, we need men and women to look around find out what's wrong and do something in order to make it right. Now, to launch out into today's conversation, I wanna talk about a group of people who provide every single one of us with an opportunity to play the role of a hero. A group of people whose future will be shaped by either the presence or the absence of heroes in their life. And of course, I'm talking about children. Uh, When you think about children, I want you to think about clay that needs a potter, a potter to shape and to mold them. When you think about children, think about a fertile piece of land that needs to be sowed and watered in order that it ensures a future harvest. When you think about children, think about arrows that are aimed at worthy targets by a skilled warrior. When you think about children, think about students who need a teacher. Think about a vineyard that needs to be worked and pruned in order to bring forth the best wine. When you think about children, think about children as the beginning of a brand new chapter in a book and an opportunity to make the story better. Now, for all of you parents, when you think about your children, I want you to see your children as an opportunity to play the role of a hero, because that's exactly what your children afford you. They are an opportunity, they are an invitation for you to be a hero in their life. Now, not only for parents, but for all of you adults who don't have children, uh, and for all of of you students that happen to be watching, uh, you don't have to be a parent in order to look at children this way. Uh, You can make a difference. You can play the role of a hero in the life of a child through coaching, through mentoring, through involvement, so many different ways. But whenever you see a child, you should think about this is an opportunity for me to play the role of a hero because the life of a child calls each one of us, parents and non-parents, to invest, influence, instruct, inspire, and be involved. So whenever we think of children or we see children, we should think about this is an opportunity to invest in this child's life. This is an opportunity to influence this child, to instruct, to inspire, and to be involved. But especially for all of you dads that are watching today, your son, your daughter, they give you this opportunity every single day. Your son, your daughter, they're inviting you to invest, to influence, to instruct, inspire, and be involved in their life. So dad, this is your weekend. And I wanna speak to you, but not only you, but parents and all the rest of adults, that when we think about children, think about an opportunity to be a hero. But specifically for you dads, don't forget this. Being a father is an invitation to be a hero. Being a father is an invitation to being a hero. But the question is, for you and for me, how will we respond to that invitation? Because being a dad is more than making money. Some people think, you know, I'm a dad, I make money, I make a good living, I provide for my family, so I'm doing my job. But, but being a dad, being a good dad is more than making money, more than attending games and extracurricular activities. Being a dad is a privilege and it is a responsibility. And few things are as important or challenging as being a father. Now, don't ever forget this. Not everyone who chooses to reproduce chooses to be a father. Not everybody who chooses to reproduce chooses to be a father. And one of the great crises that exists in our nation today is the absence 
of fathers. We experience that in our own communities here in Kentucky, and we experience that in communities all across this nation. And here's the thing, when fathers abdicate their responsibility, children almost always pay the price. Let me give you an idea of what I'm talking about. When fathers walk away, when fathers choose not to be fathers, kids pay the price. Children without fathers are four times more likely to end up in poverty. Young girls without fathers are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. Kids without fathers are two times more likely to drop out of school. Women who had absent fathers are more likely to have kids who will have absent fathers. Men who had absent fathers are more likely to become absent fathers themselves. This is a big deal, listen. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaway and homeless youth are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts from fatherless homes. The US Department of Health and Human Services, they actually went on record saying, quote, fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. In other words, when fathers refuse to be fathers, children pay the price. So what does this mean? Well, for fathers, for dads, this means that the most important responsibility and opportunity in your life is to play the role of a hero by being a dad. Now, before we go any further with that, let me just stop for a moment and speak to all of you single moms out there. For all of you single moms that are working hard, for all of you single moms that are working more than one job, and you're running hard and you're working hard, going from extracurricular activity to another extracurricular activity, trying to make ends meet, trying to make sure that your kids can do everything that your kids want to do. You stepped up when a dad decided to step out. Thank you for trying to do almost the impossible thing and playing the role that you're playing, but you're loving well and you're working hard and you're doing a great job and don't let up because that's the reality of much of the world that we live in. But even though that's the reality, I still wanna to talk to you dads because your opportunity in playing the role of a father cannot be overstated. That's why today I wanna to talk about a hero from the Old Testament that I guarantee you that none of us would have considered a hero. We wouldn't have even put him on our top 50 list. Matter of fact, some of us don't even know the guy that we're gonna talk about today. So I wanna talk about for just a few minutes, Abijah's son, the cycle breaker. Abijah's son, the cycle breaker, and that will make more sense in just a little bit. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Abijah. He is the grandson of Solomon. You've heard of him, the wisest king, the wisest man to have ever lived. You know, God asked Solomon, hey, what do you want for me? And Solomon said, I want wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. Abijah is not only the grandson of Solomon, but he is the great-grandson of King David. Remember David? Man after God's own heart, the author of Psalm 23 and so many of the other Psalms that we find in the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, David was a man after his own heart, but listen to me, men, because I know that sometimes when we hear that and we think about that, we think that he was perfect and we think that most of the time he colored with in the lines and he got most things right. But when you read the life of David, you know that he was a man who struggled in one season of his life and then into the other season and into the other season of his life. He was a man who knew the bitterness of sin, but he also knew the sweetness of grace. David was a guy just like you and David was a guy just like me. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But David, when he was king, he led the nation well. He strengthened the kingdom, he increased prosperity, and he learned a lot of hard lessons along the way. 
And before he died, before David died, he gave his son Solomon some good fatherly advice. This is what he said. He said, I am going where everyone on earth must someday go. In other words, I'm gonna die. Take courage and listen to this advice and be a man. That's good advice, guys, for all of us. He looks at his son and he says, listen, be a man. Be a man. Don't be a child in an adult body, but be a man. Don't be, don't be immature. Don't be petty, but be a man. And so, you know, each of us, we have an idea in our head what it means to be a man because, you know, we were all kind of drilled with the idea of what man is supposed to look like and how men are supposed to behave. David said, let me tell you what a man is, Solomon. He says, a man observes the requirements of the Lord, his God. He says, follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be successful in all that you do wherever you go. Solomon, let me tell you what a man does. He trusts God. He follows God, he loves God, he serves God. That, that's what a man does, Solomon. So Solomon, listen to your father as he gets ready to die. Listen from the hard lessons that I've learned. Serve God, trust God, obey God, love God. Be a man, Solomon. Being a man is not how successful you are. It's not about how macho you are. It's not all about that. It's about how much you serve, love, obey, and trust God. Now. Like I said, Solomon was regarded as king as one of the wisest men in the world, if not the wisest man to have ever lived. But Solomon's wisdom was only eclipsed by his weakness. His weakness was a weakness for women. And I think that the reason that Solomon had a weakness for women is that there's a good chance that he got that from his dad. Uh, David, he had his problems. Uh, David had many wives and, and David stepped outside of the lines in many ways that God had commanded kings not to step outside of the lines in the Mosaic law. David had such a woman problem that you can read about it in the scriptures that when he was close to death, in order to find out if he was really dying or not or really sick or not, they actually put a young virgin in bed with David. And when he didn't make a move on her, you know, they all kind of looked at each other and said, well, he must be really sick. That, that was his reputation. So Solomon's weakness was first seen in his father, David. And it reminds us of something that's really uncomfortable. The personal dysfunctions of a father often become the generational dysfunctions of their children. Now just let that just sit there for a moment and let it hang in the air. And dad, mom, everybody, just think about that for a moment. The personal dysfunctions of a father often become the generational dysfunction of their children. And it certainly happened in the life of Solomon. Listen to what 1 Kings 11 says about Solomon. He had 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. He goes on to say, as Solomon grilled, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. And even though David was a failed man, David was a forgiven man. Like I said, he, he knew sin, but he also knew grace. He struggled through life. But even though he struggled to get things right and to make things right and to stay in the lane that God wanted him to be, Solomon totally disregarded the influence of his father, totally turned his back on what his father had taught him and modeled for him. Solomon even went so far that he participated in the pagan worship of the god Moloch, which was often accompanied with detestable actions and behavior. And Solomon was known as the wisest guy ever, and here he goes, falling into idolatry because he made all of these 
marital treaties with women from nations around Israel that worshiped other gods. And so Solomon, his wives, the women in his life, they became a snare for him. And he didn't follow the ways of his father. Now that happens sometimes. Solomon didn't preserve the good things that his father had taught him, the good things that his father had modeled for him. Now listen, guys, no father is perfect. No father is without sin. No father is without failure. But Solomon failed to look at his father David and to preserve what was right in David's heart, to preserve what was right in David's life, to follow the healthy model that David had set for him. And so it goes on, it says, although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and will give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Now, this is uncomfortable to think about, but parents, get this, and dads especially. The shock waves of Solomon's sin, the consequences of Solomon's sin, wasn't fully realized in his generation. It was fully realized in the generation of his son. Solomon's choices just didn't affect him, but Solomon's choices would affect his son's life and his son's future. And it reminds all of us that our choices are bigger than us because our choices affect more than just us. Now, after Solomon died, his son took over and his son's name was Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam, he's arrogant, he's spoiled, he's a know-it-all, and he's intent on proving himself so much, he ignored all the wise counselors in Israel. And he began to enact policies that flung the nation into civil war. And the nation of Israel became two nations and two kingdoms, the nation of Israel to the north and the kingdom and nation of Judah to the south. Rehoboam became the king in Judah. And he was the first king, now listen to this, he was the first king to introduce idol worship to the nation on a large scale. What had begun in the house of his father, in the home of his father, now plagued the nation. The sin of Solomon, which was behind closed doors, so to speak, the sins of his father, which was private within the home, all of a sudden now has gone public to the entire nation. Idolatry was in the home when Rehoboam was a child. And now he has taken those sins from inside of his home and now the whole nation is experiencing it. What started in the home now affected the entire nation. Let's pause for a moment. If you wanna take a look around at our world, take a look around at our state, take a look around at everything that's been going on in the last couple of weeks. And you ask yourself, how did all of this happen? How did we get here? Know that what you see happening around the world, what you see happening around our nation, what's happening around our state, once upon a time, it started in a home. So you have Rehoboam, he split the nation. He introduced idolatry to the nation. And then he dies and his son, Abijah, takes over. Remember Abijah? That's who we're talking about to some degree today. And so Abijah, the only thing that we really know about him is really the only thing that we need to know about him. And this is what 1 Kings 15 says about Abijah. He committed all the sins his father had done before him. Pay attention to that, dads, because sons have a way of walking behind their fathers in the directions their fathers lead them in, whether that's good or bad. Abijah committed all the sins his father, Rehoboam, 
had done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his forefather had been. Now dads, parents, adults, listen, the stakes are high when it comes to children and we've got to get this right. The stakes are high when it comes to families. We've got to get this right. And what we see happening right now, this is really important. And this is how relevant the scriptures are, even in the Old Testament, to what we see happening all around the communities of our nation for the past few decades. There is a cycle beginning to take place in the family of David, the family of Solomon, the family of Rehoboam, and now Abijah. There is a generational cycle. There is a generational trajectory that's beginning to take an arc. And Abijah, Abijah is now caught up in this generational cycle of dysfunction and sin. What started with Solomon and continued in Rehoboam and now showing up in the generation of Abijah is Abijah caught up in a cycle of dysfunction, a cycle of sin. He is mirroring what he saw in his father and in his grandfather. Now, if we can't feel the weight of that, then we're just not paying attention to this story because every single one of us, we can see how families can get in unhealthy cycles. We can see how dysfunction can become a repeated thing in families generation after generation after generation after generation. And that's where now the family of David and Solomon, Rehoboam and Abijah is. It is caught up in a cycle of dysfunction and sin. It is a generational problem. But Abijah has a son. And this is the great part of the story. Abijah has a son that's gonna take over and ascend to the throne when he dies. And his son, his name is Asa. And this is what it says about Abijah's son, Asa. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. And it's like, what? Well, that's different. That's not what we expected. Asa, after his father Abijah and his grandfather Rehoboam and his great-grandfather Solomon, after idolatry had been the cycle, after this dysfunction had become part of the family story, it says he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He removed the foreign altars in the high places, smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord and the God of their ancestors and to obey his laws and his commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah and the kingdoms was at peace under him. Now, Asa is the first king to bring about reform to the nation of Judah. The nation had fallen into idolatry. That was the storyline of the day, but, but he enacted reforms and policies and he began to take down the pagan shrines and he began to remove the places of pagan worship. He urged his people to turn back to the God of his great-great-grandfather, David. And here's what Asa's doing. He's attempting to undo what started with his great-grandfather, Solomon. He's attempting to undo what started with Solomon, what continued with his grandfather, Rehoboam, and what had continued with his father, Abijah. For whatever reason, in his generation, he took a look back and he said, you know what, I'm gonna undo my family story. I'm gonna change my family trajectory. And you say, well, what's so interesting about all of this? What's so important about this? It's because Asa was born into a family of generational dysfunction and sin. This dysfunction and this sin was the embedded part of his family story. But for whatever reason, and we don't even know the reason and we don't even know why, but for whatever reason, Asa took a look at things and said, you know what? The script needs to be flipped. 
The cycle needs to be broken. This trajectory needs to change. And so somewhere, at some point, in some way, Asa made a decision. He made a decision as a son. And he made a decision as a future father that he was not going to continue the trajectory that his fathers before him had put him on. He was gonna change the generational storyline. He was gonna break the cycle. He was gonna do it different. He was gonna do it better. And the epitaph of Asa's life is this right here. Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord, his God. He had a heart for God like his great, great grandfather, David. And he decided that he was gonna give his heart to God that he was gonna serve God and love God and trust God and obey God. Asa decided he was gonna change the story for him and his family. And so Asa, he died. And as he died, his son ascended to the throne. In 1 Kings 22, this is what it says. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, became king of Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was the son of Asa and listen, to what we find out about Jehoshaphat. It says, in everything, in everything, Jehoshaphat followed the ways of his father Asa and did not stray from them. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Dads, do not miss that. He followed in the way of his father. And it's a good thing that his father had decided to go in a new direction. Asa broke the cycle. He changed the trajectory. And Jehoshaphat followed the way of his father. He continued to abolish idolatry. He continued to tear down the places of pagan worship. He set up places of religious instruction all over the land so that people could be taught how to serve and to love and obey and trust the one true God, Jehovah. And Jehoshaphat, he became known as one of Judah's greatest kings. Think of that. He became known as one of Israel's, one of Judah's greatest kings, a great man who followed in the footsteps of his father. Now, Jehoshaphat had a hero in his life. And you know who the hero of Jehoshaphat's life was? It had to be his dad, his father, because Jehoshaphat stepped into a brand new storyline for his family. He stepped onto the scene when the trajectory had been changed. The culture of the family had shifted. Asa had adopted new virtues and new values and a new code of ethic for this family to live by. And Asa was the hero in the story of Jehoshaphat because Asa decided that the past was gonna end with him and a better future was going to begin with him. He saw an opportunity as a father to be a hero. He saw an opportunity as a father to invest, influence, instruct, and to be involved in Jehoshaphat's life, to change the storyline for what Jehoshaphat would experience as a child compared to what he experienced as a child. Now, what does this mean for all of us? For every dad that's watching, every parent that's watching, every person that's watching, If we're gonna be able to flip the script, if we're gonna be able to change the trajectory of maybe a bad storyline that's become generationally embedded into our families, we're gonna have to begin to ask a couple of questions. 
as we think about our families of origin, as we think about where we came from, as we think about the story of our family, we need to look back. And I think this is probably what Asa did. He looked back over the generations of his family and he asked these two questions. What needs preserved? What needs reformed? What needs preserved? What needs reformed? What's the good that needs to be repeated? And what's the bad that needs to be rewritten? What's the good? As I look back over my family, I look at my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, as I look back at the story of my family of origin, what's the good that needs to be repeated? And then what's the bad that needs to be rewritten? What's the godly things that, that's there that needs to continue? What's the ungodly things that need to be changed? What's the healthy things that have been passed on to me in my generation? And what's the unhealthy things that have been passed on to me in my generation? You see, the temptation is this, that we get to our generation and by the grace of God, we seemingly turn out okay. But before you think you've turned out okay, you should ask a few people if you're okay. Just don't take your word for it. But most of us, we, we get to this place in life and we think, you know what? I turned out okay. And we assume our kids are gonna turn out okay. And so we just keep on repeating the story and the trajectory that was handed to us when we stepped onto the scene. But don't fall into that temptation. Take a look at your family and think about it. What needs to be preserved? What's the heritage that needs to be preserved? But but what's the heritage that needs to be rewritten? And here's how you do that. Two things. One, take a hard, honest look back at the family you came from. There's a reason when you sit down with a counselor, the first question or one of the first questions they ask you is, tell me about your family of origin. It's because children who grow up to be adults often carry their parents' patterns into adulthood. And oftentimes we do it without even realizing it. And we need to figure out what those patterns that we were taught and embedded with as children, we need to find out what those patterns are that we have carried on into our adulthood. Some are good, some are not good. And the more that we understand our family of origin, I mean really understand our family of origin, just not the idealistic version of the family story that we tell outsiders, but the real story of the family that we came from. The more that we understand the family that we came from, the better we will know ourselves. The better that we'll be able to figure out the script that we were handed as children, that role that we were taught that we were to play, the rules that we were supposed to play by, the rules that mattered, the rules that didn't matter, the words and the behaviors that were taboo or, or not taboo. The more that we understand and take a hard, honest look, because it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do to come to an honest, observation about where we all came from because none of us came from perfect places. And all of us have come from dysfunctional places to one degree or the other. And we need to do the hard work and take an honest look and figure that out so that we know what needs to be preserved and so that we know what needs to be reformed. The second thing is this, take a hard, honest look forward at the future you want to move towards. I think that's what Asa did. I think he took a look back and he looked at his dad, his granddad and his great granddad, but then he looked at his great, great granddad, David, and he thought to himself, okay, what needs to be preserved? What needs to be reformed? And then he began to look forward and he began to think about the man that he 
should be and the man that he needed to be and the man that God was calling him to be. And he began to think about his family and his family's family. He thought about his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and he thought about the trajectory that his family needed to be on, the new story of his family that needed to be written, the generational cycle that needed to be broken. And that's what he did. And he became the hero in the life of his son. And that's what we all need to do. We all need to take a hard, honest look back at the family we came from and figure out what we need to hold on to and what we need to let go of. And then we need to take a hard, honest look forward at the future that we want to experience. And not only that we want to experience, that we want our children to experience, that we want our grandchildren to experience. What kind of family do we want them to enjoy and experience? So let's be heroic, Dad. Fathers, let's be heroic. Parents, let's be heroic. Adults, let's be heroic. And when we look at our children, let's know that if we wanna be heroic, we need to love them. Love them the way that God's loved us. We never have to question God's love for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. He proved his love for us. Let's love our children's dad. Let's love our children's dads in such a way they never question how we feel about them. Let's lead them in the paths of righteousness. Let's lead them in healthy directions. Let's lead them away from unhealthy things. Let's disciple them. Let's teach them about a God who wants to be their heavenly father, about a Jesus who died for them so that they could be forgiven fully and freely and about the life that Jesus invites them to experience a better life, a full life. Let's disciple them. Let's teach them. Let's teach them about what's important. Let's teach them about what's most important. Let's teach them about what it means to be a good husband. Let's teach them what it means to be a good father. Let's teach them what it means to be part of the local church. Let's teach them what it means to be involved in our community, to play the role of the hero. Let's teach them. Let's discipline them. When they get it right, let's celebrate. When they get it wrong, let's correct. Let's encourage them. Let's cast vision over their life. Let's pronounce greatness over their future. Let's show them what it looks like in 3D. Let's be their example. Let's be their model. Don't be the dad, and I don't wanna be the dad where they hear me say one thing and do another. Let's, let's show them. Let's tell them our walk and our talk moving in the same direction. You see, fathers who become heroes reinforce the good of their fathers before them and rewrite the bad of their fathers before them. So dads, none of us had perfect dads. And your dad may not have been like my dad and my dad may, not, may have not been like your dad. But let's reinforce the good that we got from our dads. Let's rewrite the bad that we experienced with our dads. Our dads aren't perfect and we aren't gonna be either. So dad, be a hero. Pray with your kids. Let your kids hear you pray. Let Jesus be the most important thing to you and let them see it. Don't be casual about your faith. If you're casual about your faith, they'll be casual about their faith more chances than not. Let your kids know you're not perfect and when they see you mess up, say, I'm sorry. And know dads that the greatest thing you may ever do is to raise a son or a daughter that grows up to change the course of things. 
that holds back evil, that advances good, and makes a difference. Heavenly Father, for all of our parents, single moms, for all of our dads and adults and students watching, remind us that children are an invitation to be heroic. I pray especially for all of our fathers that they would be men. Men that show their sons and daughters what it means to love God, to trust God, to serve God and obey God. God, let that be true for all of us dads. The stakes are too high to get this wrong. We don't have to be perfect. We will know the bitterness of sin, but God help us to also always know the sweetness of grace. And when we fall down as dads, it's not that we fell down that's so important. It's that we decide to get back up that's most important of all. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for watching today on the Creek Church Online. Dads, today is a challenge for all of us. Being a dad is a privilege. It is a responsibility. It's one of the best things that we get to do in life, and it's one of the hardest things that we get to do in life. And I want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm cheering for you and I want you to do the same for me. We have the opportunity to play the role of a hero. So let's do it. Let's step up. Let's be heroes for our sons and daughters. Thank you one and all for being with us today. You can still give by following the directions there on the screen if you haven't already. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or you wanna take your next step and you're not sure what that is, you can go to ifollowjesus.com, fill out some information and some of our pastors and staff will follow up with you about what your best next step is gonna be. Thanks again for being with us and dad, happy Father's Day.